This isn't about protection. This is about trying to stop people from being trans. This care saves lives. It saves my life. What are we gonna do now? How are we gonna feel safe in our city? We continue to stand for traditional marriage, biblical marriage. Please vote to continue reflecting that in our state constitution. I miss my wife. I miss my teammates. And Ukraine, we'll see daylight and Greetings and welcome to This Way Out's review of some of the queerest news stories of the year 2022. I'm Greg Gordon. Sometimes the year was as disturbingly weird as it was decidedly queer. Conflating this virus solely with sexuality will only lead to more illness and suffering. Never forget about trans people having to do sex work for a living. Through the course of that first week, I had a cough, sore throat, fever, full body chills. I was sweating through my sheets at night. But we're also seeing rash occur all over the body. The more steps that we take as individuals to protect ourselves and our partners, the sooner we can end this outbreak. This is personal, y'all. Grammy goes to MPOX warnings and LGBTQA Grammy winners, two events early in 2022 that in a strange way foretold the two-sided coin that the queer movement and its allies would be handed in a historic year. One of the more alarming trends in the U.S. was the onslaught of state-level legislative attacks aimed at queer and transgender youth and their families. This way, Lucia Chappelle reported on the situation as of the first week in March. Right-wing politicians in the U.S. are ever more intent on targeting LGBTQ youth with legislative harassment. As Florida's now infamous Don't Say Gay bill sits in the state Senate with Republican presidential hopeful Governor Ron DeSantis eager to sign it, Proposed laws restricting LGBTQ-related educational materials are proliferating. Bills to erase LGBTQ issues have cropped up in Tennessee, Kansas, Indiana, and Oklahoma, and that's just to name a few. However, this week's most outrageous anti-queer news shifted the focus from schools to trans children themselves and their parents, and it comes from Texas. Attorney General Ken Paxton issued an opinion that the use of puberty-blocking medications and gender-affirming surgeries could meet the definition of child abuse under Texas Family Code. Of course, trans children are rarely considered candidates for surgery, but that's too much information for Texas Values Attorney Jonathan Sains. If you cut off certain body parts that relate to private and sexual areas of a child, most of the time, that's irreversible. And so, uh, and a lot of parents and a lot of people across Texas feel that way. They can't believe that more hasn't already been done about this. Paxton's non-binding opinion opened the door for Governor Greg Abbott to order the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to start investigating families suspected of providing their children with gender-affirming care. 
A worker in that agency who has a transgender child questioned the new policy and found herself and her family one of the first to be investigated. The family and their gender-affirming psychologist filed a lawsuit with the aid of Lambda Legal and the ACLU, represented by Chase Strangio. This policy is proposed by medical experts and child welfare experts. Loving families across Texas are terrified. This is part of a national effort to attack and criminalize trans young people. But this isn't about safety. This isn't about protection. This is about trying to stop people from being trans. This care saves lives. It saves my life. And we will never stop defending trans young people and the people who love and care for them. District Judge Amy Clark Meacham granted an order to stop that investigation, but it does not cover any other investigations that have been launched into families of trans children. A decision on a statewide injunction is expected in the coming week. The plaintiff's attorney, Paul Castillo, spoke for them. The family's reaction uh, today was one of relief um, for the time being. They've been enduring this type of investigation since last week, which has caused incredible stress for the family. Uh, an incredible ordeal to be able to have somebody look in your home and, and all because you were uh, making family decisions as, as parents. Look, words matter. Uh, laws matter when a group of people, LGBT youth, feel targeted by the words and laws that some politicians espouse. Colorado Governor Jared Polis. I think what this is, is an issue that the American people have long moved past. Uh, the American people as a whole, uh, you know, are, are completely accepting of, of who people love and, and how they live their lives. And, and these hard policies about saying certain youth can't play sports and certain people aren't allowed in, in certain places or micromanaging what, what restroom people use and mandating what they do are really, uh, frankly, un-American and are an example of Republican overreach, which will ultimately hurt their party if they can't espouse the full diversity of the American people. Someone in the Arizona legislature is listening. Republican State Senator Tyler Pace broke with his party in a committee vote to stall a bill to ban gender-affirming care for trans and non-binary youth. A trans sports ban also died in committee in Maryland's House of Delegates. If you have any doubt that these attacks on LGBTQ youth are not part of a grander scheme, note what just happened in Virginia. Despite the Supreme Court's ruling making marriage equality the law of the land, Virginia's state constitution still bans it. A proposal to strike the useless provision was killed by Republicans on a House committee. Advocates from the religious right spoke at the hearing. We continue to stand for traditional marriage, biblical marriage. Please vote to continue reflecting that in our state constitution. Scholars would say that there's no such thing as traditional biblical marriage, but it's constitutional marriage that's the issue. Carol Shaw was one of the plaintiffs in Virginia's marriage equality case. She told WRIC that she fears all queer families are in danger as this wave of anti-LGBTQ laws grows. Our constitution has enshrined discrimination. As long as this is on the books in Virginia, Virginia is saying, we hope someday you don't get to be family again. Gender war rhetoric became ready fodder for TV satire, but as John Dyer V and Elena Botkin-Levy noted, bullies don't like to be laughed at. 
multi-Emmy-winning satirist John Oliver schooled irrational transphobes in a recent installment of his HBO series Last Week Tonight, and it only took 30 seconds. As the writer Julia Serrano has pointed out, when you look at a chart of left-handedness among Americans over the 20th century, you see a massive spike when we stopped forcing kids to write with their right hand and then a plateau. That doesn't mean everyone became left-handed or that there was a rapid-onset southpaw dysphoria. <laughs> it means people were free to be who they f were. And to the extent that some young people are just exploring their gender identity, how exactly is that a bad thing? Who the f are they hurting? Longtime queer ally Jon Stewart is back for a second season of his show, Apple TV Plus's The Problem with Jon Stewart. His relish for taking down lying public officials as host of the wildly popular The Daily Show on Comedy Central has not abated. In an online video promo for the current show, Stewart's victim is Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, as the season kicks off this week with the problem of gender. Ah, yes, the gender wars. Anti-trans legislation increased 800%. What, did trans people storm the Capitol? 98% of the young people who have gender dysphoria are able to move past that wow. without uh, that medical treatment. That's an incredibly made-up figure. This just in from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We are actively processing the scene at Club Q. Police Chief Adrian Vasquez. Initial evidence and interviews indicate that the suspect entered Club Q and immediately began shooting at people inside as he moved further into the club. While the suspect was inside of the club, at least two heroic people inside the club confronted and fought with the suspect and were able to stop, stop the suspect from continuing to kill and harm others. Before those club patrons disarmed and beat him with his own gun, the shooter, who opened fire in the LGBTQ bar around midnight on November 19th, had murdered five people. Even with the nearly daily mass shootings in the U.S., there has not been a large-scale assault against the LGBTQ community since Orlando, Florida's Pulse Massacre in 2016, until Club Q on November 19th. Colorado Springs' queer oasis was invaded by an assassin armed with a semi-automatic rifle and a pistol. Two bartenders and three others were killed, and 18 more were injured before the shooter was subdued by two drag show attendees and a performer. District Attorney Michael Allen was asked about the charges he was expecting to file. Charges in this case will likely include first-degree murder, extreme indifference murder, those types of charges, which are all Class 1 felony murder charges. And actions taken to strike fear in specific communities will not be tolerated in our community. That's not exactly the kind of LGBTQ-friendly atmosphere Colorado Springs is known for. Since the 1990s, it's been far more welcoming and affirming to evangelical organizations like Focus on the Family, who got juicy financial incentives for locating their headquarters there. 
The decades have changed the demographics in Colorado Springs, but not nearly enough to make it immune to the epidemic of hateful legislation and violence raging around the country in recent times. What happened at Club Q came as no surprise to State Representative Brianna Titone. She's Colorado's first transgender legislator, currently serving her third term. Titone told MSNBC's Joy Reid, There's been attack after attack after attack in the state houses around the country. And this has just been going on for years, and it's gotten worse and worse. So it's not a surprise to me and to a lot of other people that uh, we're at this point where uh, a violent attack is happening, and uh, it's happening at a place like this. So residents of Colorado Springs are mourning their lost friends and the loss of their only refuge. Club Q may even at some time have offered refuge to the mass murderer. Court documents identify the shooter as non-binary. But their grandfather is a pro-Trump California Republican state legislator, and their Mormon porn actor father told reporters he was relieved that the sight of the slaughter was no indication that his child was gay. Was the tragedy sparked by political homophobia or the internalized kind? The impact is the same for queer townsfolk like Joshua Thurman, as told to Democracy Now!, This is our only safe space here in the Springs. And so for this to get shot up, like, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? Yeah, we can rebuild and, and come together and this, but what about those people that lost their lives for no reason? Like the 18, other 18 that were injured, I could have been one of them. Like it's, it means a lot because again, what are we going to do now? How are we going to feel safe? in our in our city i got my start here like so many of my friends i met here and people that i call loved ones and now it's shattered Colorado Springs Club Q mass shooter is expected to be formally charged on December 6th. More of the queerest news stories of 2022 after this message that's as vital to you as it is to us. Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter, email us at info at thiswayout.org and through your financial contributions to our program. As 2022 comes to an end, please help make This Way Out's holidays happier. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. This Way Out's 2022 news review continues with two of the world's most reported stories that were also queer stories. First, on the front lines in Ukraine, as reported by David Hunt and Lucia Chappelle. Stories of the bravery and resilience of LGBTQ people in Ukraine continue to emerge as Vladimir Putin steps up his brutal invasion. And that's a word that could get you 15 years in a Russian prison. 
Warsaw Pride Chair Julia Masioka told Pink News via Zoom that they were arranging suitable safe housing for queer people crossing the Polish border. Many don't make it that far. Ukrainian trans people are having particular difficulty fleeing the country because their identification documents don't match their gender identity. People identified as male between the ages of 18 and 60 are required to remain and join the defense effort. Lesbian human rights activist Olina Shevchenko explained the situation for trans people and other minority groups with ID difficulties on Democracy Now! The case almost not possible for those people who are, uh, have this male document still or for other trans people to cross the border because during the war they need to be on the war by law. So basically they don't have any possibility to leave the country. That's why they are staying in our shelters. And of course, there is an option for Roma people as well, just to try to cross the border without documents. But it's also very problematic, even, even uh, taking into account that we've been said by different bodies, I don't know, in Ukraine and different countries, that it will be possible for people without documents to cross the border. But it's not. Transgender people who are trapped or choose to remain in Ukraine need hormones and related meds. And those with HIV AIDS need access to antiretroviral drugs. Warsaw Pride's Masioka said they need food, they need medical supplies, they need their basic needs to be met. It just hurts to know that they could be hurt at any time. On March 7th, they sent their first shipment of medical supplies to Ukraine with the help of Fundacja Interaksja, a Polish foundation that helps intersex people. So the bloody invasion of Ukraine continues and LGBTQ people know exactly what they're fighting for. For nearly all of 2022, people around the world were focused on the saga of Brittany Griner. This Vallaus Lucia Chappelle, Marcos Nehara, and Elena Batalivi followed the developments. As I sit here in a Russian prison, alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife, my family, my friends, Olympic jersey, or any of my accomplishments, I'm, I'm terrified. I, I might be here forever. July 4th, 2022. On the 136th day of her Russian captivity, WNBA star Brittany Griner wrote a letter to U.S. President Joe Biden pleading for action in her case. Griner is facing 10 years in prison for cannabis vape cartridges allegedly found in her luggage. Her wife, Sherelle, told CBS Mornings the reasons behind Griner's letter. Because of the failed attempts that we have had as a family, I was told, you know, we're going to try and handle this behind scenes, stay quiet. And, you know, I did that. And respectfully, that does not work. And so I will not be quiet anymore. <laughs> 
On the 4th of July, our family normally honors the service of those who fought for our freedom, including my father, who is a Vietnam War veteran. It hurts. It hurts thinking about how I usually celebrate this day because freedom means something completely different to me this year. I realize you are dealing with so much, but please don't forget about me and the other American detainees. Please do all you can to bring us home. I voted for the first time in 2020, and I voted for you. I believe in you. I still have so much good to do with my freedom that you can help restore. I miss my wife. I miss my family. I miss my teammates. And it kills me to know they are suffering so much right now. I am grateful for whatever you can do at this moment to get me home. The president did read the letter. Uh, I was there when he read the letter. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. And it is a deeply personal letter. As you know, this president is uh, takes that very personally as well. He did write her back. Sherelle Greiner. And it brought me so much joy, as well as BG. I believe every word that she said to him, he understood. And he sees her as a person. And he has not forgotten her, which was her biggest cry in her letter. Brittany Griner pled guilty to the charges on July 7th. Legal analysts say that the plea could speed her conviction and open the door to a possible prisoner swap. It is a good morning. U.S. President Joe Biden. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. The Biden administration got Griner back on December 8th in a one-for-one -one exchange for Russian arms dealer Viktor Boot, known as the Merchant of Death. Boot has been serving a 25-year sentence in a U.S. federal prison since 2012, convicted of trying to sell weapons to a terrorist group intent on killing Americans. Griner's plane would land in the early morning hours of December 9th at Kelly Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. She was scheduled to undergo a routine medical exam. Her wife, Sherelle, was deeply moved when she joined President Biden at the podium. So over the last nine months, y'all have been um, so privy to one of the darkest moments of my life. And so today I'm just standing here um, overwhelmed with emotions. Um, and today it's just a happy day for me and my family. So um, I'm going to smile right now. <laughs> U.S. officials tried to exchange boot for both Griner and Paul Whelan. The former Marine has been serving a 16-year sentence in a Russian prison since 2018 on what the U.S. calls trumped-up allegations of spying. The Biden administration has faced harsh criticism from the right for leaving Whelan behind. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre explained at a White House briefing that Russia views Griner's drug charges and Whelan's espionage charges by different standards. This was not a choice uh, for us on of which American to bring home. That was not the choice. Uh, it was a choice between bringing home one American or bringing home none. And we brought one home today. And just like we were able to bring home Trevor Reed back in April, 
And uh, through every step of this process, we have sought to bring Paul Whalen home, and that will not change. That will continue to be our commitment. Sherelle Greiner also acknowledged the complexities. BG's not here to say this, but I will gladly speak on her behalf and say that BG and I will remain committed to the work of getting every American home, including Paul, whose family is in our hearts today. WNBA basketball all-star Brittany Griner is home for the holidays with her wife, Sherelle. She spent eight days of medical exams and reintegration treatment at an army base in San Antonio, Texas, following her release from a Russian prison. Greiner had been serving a nine-year sentence on trumped-up drug smuggling charges. In her first public comments since her return, Greiner wrote on Instagram, It feels so good to be home. The last 10 months have been a battle at every turn. I dug deep to keep my faith, and it was the love from so many of you that helped keep me going. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone for your help. That includes her WNBA Phoenix Mercury teammates. Griner intends to compete with them again when the league season begins next May. She also thanked the medical staff at Fort Sam Houston Base in San Antonio, saying that, I appreciate the time and care to make sure I was okay and equipped with the tools for this new journey. We'll close out part one of this round's Queerest News of 2022 on a lighter note, an eyebrow-raising scene between the sexy stars of a hit movie, as reported by Tanya Kane Perry. Retiring James Bond star Daniel Craig has dabbled in queerdom before, and so perhaps has his iconic master spy character. A particularly homoerotic scene between Craig and Skyfall villain Javier Bardem was nearly cut by the studio, but the producers insisted on keeping it in the movie. Oh, Mr. Bond. See what she's done to you. Well, she never tied me to a chair. Her loss. Well, first time for everything. Yes. What makes you think this is my first time? The co-star's latest flirtation with Fabulous came during an online conversation this week on Variety's Actors on Actors series. The two actors' birthdays are one day and one year apart. We actually celebrated our birthday together once. I think I remember you were in drag, but I know yeah. that's a whole other story. Coming out of a cake. <laughs> I was supposed to be the bomb girl that night, and oh my god, I was. <laughs> Bardem reportedly sang Happy Birthday to Craig a la Marilyn Monroe to U.S. President John Kennedy. Happy birthday to you. There's more to come in our review of the Queerest News of 2022 next time on This Way Out, and we'll get back to our weekly roundup of news in or affecting international LGBTQ communities when NewsRep returns on our week of January 9th, 2023 program.
Thanks for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Our thanks to this week's 2022 Queer News Review reporters, Lucia Chappelle, John Dyer V, Elena Vodkin-Levy, David Hunt, Marcos Mahara, and Tanya Kane Perry, Melissa Etheridge, Stephen Stills, Anat Matrebko, and the Metropolitan Opera provided some of the music you heard. Monty Norman's James Bond theme was conducted by John Berry, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way, I'll thank the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, and longtime donors John Bopre and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. This program would not be possible without the critical support of our listener donors. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts, and on the World Radio Network's 3CR Fitzroy, Victoria, Fresh FM, Nelson Tasman, Blenheim, Eastern Golden Bay, New Zealand, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay safe and healthy in a happy new year, and of course, stay tuned.